welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. And I want to talk to you about something that I have been thinking about a lot recently. Um, I want to talk to you, I want to ask you this question. It's a question that I've been asked a lot. My dad asks this question all the time. And um, he goes around and he will just stop and talk to you and he'll ask you this question. The question is this, how's your heart? I want to ask you today how your heart is. And I don't want you to answer me because that could be terrible. You'd be like, my heart is so bad. No, I just want you to think about this. This This is a rhetorical question for you to ponder as we go through today's message. And I want to ask you, how is your heart? How are you doing? What's going on inside of you? What are you storing up inside of you, inside of your heart? How are you doing? This is a question I've been asked I don't know how many times by my dad. Because he cares for me, because he cares about me. He wants to know what's going on inside of me. He wants to know how he can pray. He wants to know what he should be praying for. And so as a pastor, this is a good question that we should be asking people all the time. Johnny, how is your heart? Jacob, how is your heart? What's going on inside of you? You know, interestingly enough, the Grinch, we all know the Grinch, don't we? If you read Doctor Who's The Grinch or you watch the movie, like you need to watch like the Christmas, like the one from like the 60s. Um, which is like the classic, or you can watch Jim Carrey's The Grinch. But in it, there's the narration, and uh, it starts off, and it's talking about how the Grinch hates Christmas the whole season. It says nobody knows why. It said it could be that his head's just not screwed on right. It could be that his shoes, perhaps, are just too tight. But the reason they think that makes most sense is that his heart was two sizes too small. And it's interesting to me, That, you know, they say art imitates life, and it does, because your heart and how your heart is doing is so important to who you are as a person. Let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 23. It says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, above everything else, guard your heart because it determines the course, the direction, where you go in your life. Let's look at it in another translation. Here's the New King James, says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, Spring the issues of life. Pay attention to your heart because out of it flows the issues of your life. Let's look at another translation. The Amplified, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. I like this one because it puts the onus really well on you. Nobody else can really watch out your heart for you. You've got to pay attention to your own heart. You've got to pay attention to what's going on inside of you. You've got to pay attention to what you're allowing to find a home inside of you. He says, watch over your heart with all diligence. 
What is diligence? Diligence means that you're really paying attention, that you're looking at things, that you're keeping an eye out, that you're not just saying, oh, I'm going to take a nap and whatever happens, happens. It means you are diligently paying attention. One more translation here. I think, yep, the passion. It says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Can we read that one more time? So above all, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there, the innermost being, flows the wellspring of life. I wanted to read these in different translations so that you could get the gist of what is being said. Apparently, your heart is really important. Apparently, what you allow inside your heart is really important because it guides and it moves and it directs your life. It affects where you go. It affects the things you say. It affects the things that you think about. It is who you are. So let's look at what these words are real quick in the Hebrew. Um, the, word, the first word here, when it says guard, in the Hebrew, in Strong's Concordance, it's number 5341, and it's Natsar, and it means this, to protect, maintain, or obey. To maintain, protect, or obey. So when it says guard your heart, Protect your heart. Go back for a second. Protect your heart. What does that mean? It means you're paying attention to what is allowed inside of your heart. Maintain your heart. What is maintaining things? Maintain means you are keeping an eye on something so you are knowing what's happening inside of it. If you maintain a flower bed, what do you do? You're keeping an eye on it. You find yourself out there all the time, weeding the flowers out, pulling out junk, pulling out things that shouldn't be there. You are maintaining something. Cam works at a plant where he maintains big, huge generators. What does that mean? He goes to work and he sits there and he stares at dials and knobs and he has to change oil and he has to change parts so that these things keep working the way they're supposed to work. He is maintaining it, but in that maintaining it is paying attention and doing what needs to be done to keep it healthy and whole and right so that it operates the way that it's supposed to and obey your heart obey that's interesting you've got to obey the voice of God in your life God puts things and he speaks to you and he puts them deep down inside of you the very center of who you are and you've got to obey that voice You've got to push out those things that shouldn't be there to make room for the things that are supposed to be there. Heart means this. It's L-E-B. It's like leb. Leb is heart. And it's used mostly figuratively, very widely for the feelings, the will, and even the intellect. Likewise, for the center of anything. your feelings, your will, and your intellect. 
the center of anything. Your heart is the center of you. And here this verse is saying to guard that heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. We're at the end of a decade, like Cam said, we're moving into the 20s. New decade, new season. And one of the things that I would encourage you to do, Pastor Jenny said that next week, she's, we're calling it the Sabbath Sunday, take a Sunday off. But in that Sunday, I would encourage you to begin to reflect on all God has done in your life in this past decade. And I would also encourage you to begin to look ahead to the new decade and ask God what he wants to do in you and through you. It's a new season and it's a new day and it requires hearing what God has to say to you and who God wants you to be so that you're not just some Joe Blow going to church, but there is a mission, a design, a a specific purpose for who you are, for where you are, and for why you are so that you can do all those things that God has called you to do. So don't just take next Sunday and lay around and sleep all day. Don't just take this time off and be like, oh, la da da dee la da da do la da da dum Let the Spirit of God begin to speak to you or continue to speak to you. Ask Him specific questions. What do you have for me in this new season? What does next year look like? What does next month look like? What does tomorrow look like? What do you want to do in me and through me and in my relationships? And then as he speaks to you, you treasure those things in your heart, and then you begin to guard and maintain those things because what you store in your heart affects who you are, and it leads you and guides you. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to share something with you here. Deuteronomy is, um, it is the book where Moses is reminding the Israelites they have come out of the wilderness or they've come out of, they've come out of Egypt. They've spent 40 years walking through the wilderness. At the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses dies and then Joshua leads the children of Israel into the promised land. But in the book of Deuteronomy, it is Moses reminding the Israelites of all that God said to them and all that God did for them. Sometimes, a lot of times, most times, you need to continually remind yourself about what God has said to you, what God has said about you, what God has done for you, what God has done in you, so that you can be strengthened for the next season of your life. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And he's reminding them, and he says this, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That God led them through the wilderness to humble them and to test them. Did I, do we have this in a different translation? Did we put that in it? Oh, they amplified. Here we go. It says this, And you shall remember always all the ways which your Lord God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart and mind, 
whether you would keep his commands or not. Now, those 40 years, those, those Israelites had some hardships, didn't they? They walked through some stuff that was new and different and scary. God led them out to the wilderness and led them right up to the Red Sea. And then they're like, we're all going to die here. And then God moves on their behalf and splits the Red Sea. They all walk through it. Then they get to the other side. They're walking through the desert. We've got no food to eat. God begins to feed them food. This bread from heaven comes out of nowhere. The bread on the ground and God feeds them, takes care of them. Then they got no water. Go bang this stick on the rock and water comes from the rock and boom, you're taken care of. It was hard on them. But you see here in this verse that God led them through the wilderness for those 40 years to number one, to humble them, and number two, to see what was in their hearts. Don't be afraid of hardship in your life because in that hardship, in those hard times, you will see when you are squeezed what comes out of you. And sometimes... And a lot of times, God will allow you to go through circumstances, not really so that he can see what's in your heart, because he knows what's in our heart, but so that you can see what's in your heart. Because when you're squeezed, when you're constricted, when you're under pressure, when you're in stress, when the rubber meets the road and the things look terrible, that's when who you are and what you really believe begins to come out of you. And so he will allow you to go through those circumstances so that you can see what's really deep down inside of you. Do you really believe what you say you believe? Do you really believe that God's your provider? Do you really believe that he is your healer? Do you really believe that he's going to fix your marriage or your relationships or he's going to work on your behalf at your job or all those things that you're believing God for? When the rubber meets the road and you're squeezed and in pressure and pain and hurting, your heart will speak the truth. So he led them through the wilderness to humble them and to see what was in their heart. And it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes you need to have somebody say, Hey, how is your heart? We go to doctors all the time. Something's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong. I've got to go to the doctor and find out. And the doctor will ask you all kinds of questions and do checkups. We do checkups on our body. We do checkups on our mind. We do checkups on everything. But sometimes we need to have a heart checkup and find out what's inside your heart. How is your heart? Let's look at another scripture here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is talking. And uh, the context of this passage of Scripture is that Jesus just cast out the demon from a possessed guy. And the Pharisees said that the only way that Jesus could do that was because he was of the devil himself. And that's how he could cast out the demons. And Jesus starts talking about, that's a crazy Sentence, because any kingdom divided against itself will fall. So if I'm of the devil, why would I be casting out devils from other people? Because it just doesn't work that way. 
And so he's speaking here, and he begins talking to these Pharisees. And the slide starts at verse 34. I'm going to start in verse 33 for a second. If you have your Bibles or your phones, take a look at this verse with me. And it says this, a tree is identified by its fruit. We all know that, right? If you see an apple tree, what are you going to find on it? If you see a cherry tree, you're going to find cherries. If you see a lemon tree, you're going to find lemons. Whatever, whatever kind of tree you see, that's the kind of fruit. It's never a surprise. You're never going to go to an apple tree, go to pick an apple, and be like, oh, my Lord, there's watermelons on this tree. How did that happen? Never going to happen. Tree produces its own kind. And it says a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Then verse 34, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? How could an evil person, if you're evil, how can you speak what's good and right? He says, because whatever is in your heart determines what you say. He's checking his heart right now. Whatever is in your heart determines what comes out of your mouth. He's being convicted by the Spirit right now. <laughs> Whatever is in your heart comes out of your mouth. So if you find yourself, you're like, Jake, I don't know how my heart is. Well, here's a really great clue. Two clues, in fact. Number one, the things that you think about the things that you ponder and you can't stop thinking about, those are things that are in your heart. The worries and the fears, whatever those things are, when they're inside your heart, you find yourself thinking about them constantly, constantly, constantly. And let me tell you this. Whatever you think about, you begin to magnify. And it gets bigger and bigger, and bigger, and bigger. And what you magnify in your life over time, whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not, whatever you think about, whatever you magnify, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows in your life, you begin to worship those things. You begin to say, this is all I can think about. This is all I care about. This is my whole world. This is my whole life. You've got to make sure that the things that are finding roots and homes in your house are the things of God and that you were thinking about God, that you were thinking about his will, his plans, his purposes, his love for others. And then you begin to magnify those things. And then you begin to worship him instead of worrying and fear and doubt and dread. So how's your heart? Well, number one, you can check how your heart is doing by the things that you spend your time thinking about. And the other thing you can check on your heart is the things that come out of your mouth. If you find that your words are consistently negative and pessimistic and you're finding all the problems with everybody else and you're pointing all the fingers and you got all the answers and everybody else is wrong, your heart probably is not very good. Take stock of your thoughts and take stock of your words to examine how your heart is doing. This is what Jesus is saying right now. He said, how, you brood of vipers, how can evil people like you say something that is good and right? You can't because you're an evil person. And then he goes on to break it down here, and this is what he says. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person 
produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. And verse 37 says, these words will either acquit you or condemn you. But let's look at verse 35 for a second. And there's an interesting progression that takes place here. It says, a good person produces good fruit from the treasury of a good heart. Good person, good fruit, good heart. Bad person, bad fruit, bad heart. Good person, good fruit, good heart. Bad person, bad fruit, bad heart. These are not interchangeable. You can't have a good person with a bad fruit but a good heart. You can't have a bad person with good fruit and a bad heart or a good heart. It doesn't work. There is a line that goes right to the center of who you are, and that is your heart. And if your heart is good, you will produce good fruit and be a good person. If your heart is bad, you will produce bad fruit, and you are what the Bible calls a bad person, an evil person, because your heart is bad. And he says this. He talks about the treasury or the storehouse of your heart. What are you storing in your heart? What are you keeping inside of yourself? What are you allowing to make a home in you? Because Proverbs said, out of your heart spring the issues of life. It directs your life. Well, sure it does, because what's inside of you comes out of your mouth, and it's what you think about. So if you've got bad thoughts in your heart, if you're angry, if you're in your heart, if you are holding grudges in your heart, if there is hurts and pains in your heart that you're not turning over to Jesus, those things will guide and direct all of your conversations, all of your thoughts, all of your relationships, because you are filtering through those hurts and pains. This is a very Christmassy message. <laughs> Let's all sing a Christmas carol right now. You know, I'm talking about this for a lot of reasons. For things that I have seen firsthand, conversations that I have, watching the news, hearing people's stories about their life. Do you know, I skipped this slide, and we're going to put it up now, Cadence. Do you know how many times the word heart is mentioned in the Bible? Da, da, da. Right there. In the, New King, or in the King James, it's 830 times. In the New American Standard, it's 726 times. Other than these three words, God, Father, and Lord, your heart is one of the most used words in the Bible. That tells us that your heart and its condition is of supreme importance to our Father. Those three words like God and Father, Lord, I think the word Lord is mentioned like 9,000 times in the Bible. And God and Father, those are also thousands of times you can find those in the King James translation. The next closest one is the word heart. When I looked up at my Strong's on my phone this morning, it said, it said in the Strong's on my phone that the word heart was in the Bible 895 times. So it's in there a lot. And that tells us that your heart matters to Jesus and the condition of your heart. 
Why do you think that is? Why, why, why is our heart so important to God? Well, I think because of what Proverbs 4 says. Because the condition of your heart guides and directs your life. And I think that's why God talks about your heart all through the Bible. Because what he desires is a surrendered heart. He desires a heart that he can find home in, that he can find room to move in, that he can find ways to plant his word in your heart so that it brings forth fruit, so that he can work in your heart to show other people his love for them through you. Psalm 51.10 says this. And we're going to finish here. It says this. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. In the Passion Translation, it says this. Create a new clean heart within me and fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. Do you know this psalm, some of you will know this, some of you won't. This is a psalm of David that he wrote after the prophet Nathan came and called him out for having an affair with Bathsheba, for after David sending Bathsheba's husband to battle to be killed when he found out she was pregnant, David wrote this whole psalm because the prophet come back to him and said, hey man, know what you did. And David writes this psalm, and in the Passion Translation here, it says this, God, he's talking to God. He says, create in me a new, clean heart. And I love it what it says in the Passion. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.